Hello, welcome back to Being Black with Camille Smith. Today we are welcoming Aaron Sykes. Aaron is a recent 2020 graduate with me. He got his Bachelor of Science in Chemical Engineering with a double minor in Biochemical Engineering and Mathematics. Aaron and I met in honestly freshman or sophomore year, but we got extremely close junior and senior year because he was the only one crazy enough to be pre-med and chemical engineering. And I'm super excited to have him on the show. It's weird to not always see him every day. Um, and I'm just really happy that he's here. So welcome, Aaron. And we're gonna jump right into questions. So Aaron, what does being black mean to you? Being black, um, and I, I kind of hate saying this, but it means like a resiliency to me how just the story about just, you know, not just black Americans, but like black people have sort of endured across, you know, centuries and millennia to sort of get to where they are, where, you know, before black people were antagonized for like their different, you know, uh, Afrocentric features and, you know, their hair, the way they carried themselves. And now to a point where like black culture is it, you know, everybody, sorts of uh, wants to mimic Black people across the globe. So I just think it's phenomenal how, you know, we've been able to overcome so many things, but, you know, come to a place where, you know, we can have so many prominent Black figures in today's society. So yeah, Black, black means resilience to me. Awesome. It actually means resilience to me too. Um, was there, do you have a concrete memory of the first time someone gave like being black and meaning, like, do you have like a first time you realize that you were black? I guess it was sort of like, like a trailblazing moment, like in, in elementary school, they do like black history month. And like, here's the black person of the day that, you know, you learn about and like the one black person, you know, and it's again, 28 days for, you know, all of black culture was, you know, very, I didn't think anything of it, but, you know, as I sort of got older and I realized, you know, the racial dynamics that exists in this country. It was like, okay, like the first black person to do something. And so when I was younger, I really wanted to be a lawyer. Like, I just, I don't know why, like it was just like law just attracted me so much. So like Thurgood Marshall, like I read, he was like the first black person's biography I ever wrote. And like, I wrote a biography, a report about his biography. And it was just like, okay, like, like, wow, like being black is cool like you know like again like you know all the context of Thurgood Marshall with like Brown versus Board of Education and all that sort of stuff it's like he's the first black Supreme Court justice so I thought like okay like black people you know being the first to do something is very important so like that's been that's what was like my first experience with like blackness as like you know an identity you know not just like oh we're all just people like no that's just not the world we live in unfortunately. And then how was it actually growing up near you? Like, tell me about like your surroundings. So um, I was in like, a, I would say a very um, racially mixed neighborhood growing up, um, but because I didn't go to school in that area, like none of the elementary schools, I went to a predominantly white Christian school for, you know, uh, most of my, um, like from like fourth through eighth grade. Um, so it was, so I was making friends with them, not necessarily kids in my neighborhood. So like, you know, despite, you know, the demographics, I didn't get to see any of that because, you know, I was surrounded by a majority of white people for most of my childhood. So um, it was sort of just interesting, like, you know, having to learn about, you know, blackness from mostly my family. Cause like, you know, I just being around my cousins and, and all of them, it was like, okay, like these are the 
black people I'm with because like you know there's blood there but like having black friends was not something I really had until high school so it was sort of like finding my own sort of path through them um my cousins I mean so it was like that was that was fun most of them were older than me so it was like they were going through things that like you know driving and all that sort of stuff and like dating and stuff and I was like oh I'm like watching them go through it and like living vicariously through them so like that was fun but it's like okay like you know like when am I going to have my turn, you know, sort of things? Like, how do I sort of navigate that? Um, but yeah, so that was pretty much my entire Black experience until high school, and then everything completely changed. Yeah, so growing up, how did it change? So in high school or in, in mm-hmm. college? So high school, uh, like, you know, going, again, I went to a predominantly white high school too, but like there were more uh, Black people. And then like, I went to an all-boys high school, so it was like Black men. I'm like, okay, like around Black men my age were, you know, I see them eight hours a day. So it's like, I'm forming relationships with them. And I, I talk to all, all of them, you know, to this day, every day, you know, like we've been, been able to keep in touch and it's been very like, you know, monumental to like my development and growth as a person. Um, so it's like, you know, playing sports with them, being in class, you know, extracurriculars in the lunchroom. Like that was such a important part of my life because like, that was my first time to really be in community for a longer period of time with other black people and like other young black men going through the same exact thing you know, just, just, you know, like, you know, uh, college, you know, dating, um, just like what we wanted for the future. It was very like transformative to like, you know, it gave me a foundation um, amidst the, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, PWI-ness of the school. So it's like, yeah, all these white people around, but like at lunchtime, I can go sit with my, my friends and stuff like that. And like, we can, you know, BS and have some fun, you know, in spite of everything. And it's like, it did, we did get comments like, okay, like, why are all the black kids sitting at the table? It's like, you sit with all white kids at the table. So it's like, why is there an issue now that like we're having our own space? And it's like, oh, and then, and then like some of the white kids want to join because they see how much fun we're having. So it's like, okay, yeah, you guys can, all the, like the cool ones can come in. Nah, but like, it was, it was great. And then college, like it was, I lost some of that because um, being in STEM, there's not as many people of color. You know, there were the, there were the four of us, um, you know, you know, holding it down. The <laughs> um, so like, you know, without that, I don't know what, you know, my college experience would have been like, you know, like, again, like there are other black, you know, people across the campus, but it's like, I'm not seeing them every day. Like I'm seeing these other three. So um, but again, like without that foundation in high school, I don't know like where I would have been in terms of my blackness, you know, and you know, getting into college and then like, you know, really struggling with it because, you know, you're engaging in texts and so many readings about blackness. It's like, you know, who am I as a black person? But like, I know I have these ideas to bounce off of with different people. And then do you have any advice for your like younger Aaron? Like what advice would you give? <laughs> Take it easy, bro. Like I did way too much stressing um, for little stuff for so long. And like, you know, just take everything as it comes and not think, try to think four or five years ahead when like, you know, life needs to be lived now. So like, I got to do that for myself. So definitely take it easy, bro. You need, you deserve it, honestly. You very much do deserve it. And that can be applied to right now too. Uh, Whether you'll take that advice for yourself, who knows. Um, But Today, we're going to be talking about being Black and navigating mental health, which I think is probably going to be in multiple episodes, but I'm excited to start this conversation with Aaron because uh, 
I think we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> we can definitely make up a lot of content um, for talking about mental health as like just an entity and like something that we both have um, experienced and I personally still struggle with. So Aaron, you can start us off. How has mental health actually affected you? It's <laughs> it's been a journey in mental health with a lot of ups and downs. I think um, it was some, something I really like started thinking about till maybe freshman year of college mm -hmm. where I'm like, again, in this space by myself, you know, trying to make friends all over again and things like that and like learn what I want to do for the rest of my life. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, all these pressures are, you know, coming at me at once and I'm like, okay, how am I going to deal with these things in a healthy way? That's just not, you know, destructive, um, you know, everything going on. So that was, that mm -hmm. was, and then like, there was a lot of trial and error there too. So just learning to sort of cope with the things in life, you know, and just not harp on the negative, but, you know, trying to find the silver lining and positives and, you know, everything that's going on. So it was, it, and it's still the journey. I'm still struggling with the same stuff I was struggling mm -hmm. with freshman year. It's just uh, transformed a little bit to sort of meet my, you know, postgraduate, you know, anxieties. Mm -hmm. So. <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting. My, I've talked to you in depth about my journey with mental health. Um, I actually didn't, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to it. I didn't actually have like the vocabulary for what mental health was when I was a kid. Um, middle school, again, like for a lot of people, I'm sure was just super dark. Uh, I was bullied. I also went to a PWI um, my entire life through public school and then into Villanova. Um, so like as a kid, like I just really, really struggled. And I think like looking back on it now, because I feel like you have to be able to look back on things and reflect on things to be able to heal from them properly, which I'm in the process of doing. But in reflecting on it recently, I've realized that I did know that I had an issue, like that I, I knew that there was a problem. But for whatever reason, I led myself to believe that it wasn't important enough to talk to my parents about it. And I'm gonna tell you why, like, again, this was like a moment for me. So to give brief background, my um, dad grew up in the inner city and his physical body was in harm's way all the time. Um, similar to you, he went to a private school um, and he had to leave his, he left his neighborhood to go to school and then came back to his neighborhood. And through all the sacrifices that he made and my grandmother made, like he was able to move out of that city um, and was able to raise my sister and I, my family in the outskirts of Philadelphia. And for me as a middle schooler, it just seemed stupid almost to talk to my parents, specifically like my dad, about something that like wasn't my physical body being in harm's way on a regular basis. And I feel like a lot of people can resonate with that. And that's why I wanted to bring it up with you. Like, do you have like anything to add to that? Do you feel the same way that I do? For sure. Like, like our parents came from an entirely different time, you know, mm -hmm. where again, like their physical bodies were in harm. Like my parents grew up in, uh, in Camden, New Jersey. And so, mm -hmm. you know, they, they grew up seeing a lot of things that like I, you know, had the privilege to like be, you know, ignorant of because like that just wasn't my, you know, mindset you know that just wasn't my environment mm -hmm. and 
I think, you know, and I sort of spoke to my parents about this too. Like they worked hard. So like, I wouldn't have to, you know, do that and all the sacrifices they made. But again, like, so when I'm going through like, you know, personal stuff, you know, stuff that at the time I thought was like, like insignificant because like, you know, I don't have to, you know, worry about, you know, you know, finding food to eat that night or, you know, like, do I walk through this, you know, the street to get home, even though it's closer to home, like I have to like walk, you know, around the block in order to get home because, you know, there are people who could harm me down there. Mm-hmm. And I, I never had to think about that, I, you know, so it was, it, it, a lot of it got repressed because I didn't feel comfortable, you know, I'm just going to like get over it, you know, it's something small, but like, you know, you ignore it for so long that things just keep building up to a point mm-hmm. where you don't know what to do with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I distinctly remember too, in middle school, like I had like very severe panic attacks, like very severe panic attacks, very terrible anxiety attacks, like on a regular basis. Um, but even though like in those moments, it still was like, oh, like this is temporary. Like I almost felt as though for me to express that to my parents or express that to my family, like it was almost as though I was being ungrateful for all the sacrifices that they made. And like, again, right now, stupid, should have mentioned it and like wouldn't have had to deal with it by my But I do think that we're in this interesting space that a lot of people that are our age, our parents were kind of like the trailblazers. Like they had to go through all these things and like they made all these sacrifices to try and get us into an area that, like you said, like you don't necessarily have to worry about those things. So I think something that I'm trying to do even now is like figure out where is that line between being very appreciative of all the sacrifices that have been made for me um, by my parents and of course beyond that and also recognizing that there were new challenges that I did have to face that my parents didn't necessarily have to face. Like mental health in general was such a new concept to my parents and like I distinctly remember trying to explain what an anxiety attack was and it was like such... Like, they were like, oh, like, just, like, stop feeling that way. And I'm like, like, but it doesn't. <laughs> I'm trying, like, you know. <laughs> like, I hadn't thought of that. I could have just stopped, you know. And like, Great idea, not, Mom. Thank not... you so much. I'll just go back to my room. And just, um... <laughs> and it's, it's, I, don't, I don't believe it's from, like, a negative place, but I do mm. think that they, it sounds weird, but, like, they didn't have the luxury of having, like, being able to think about it. Like being able to sit with yourself and understand where your anxieties lie. Like they didn't have the chance to do that. Actually, you'll probably remember, what is the triangle? It's like the triangle of needs. It's like the- The pyramid of needs. It's like, like the base was like food and water, right? And then it's like shelter- Yeah, you can't worry about what's above. You were getting into like the third tier, which is like survival- you know like I don't really care how my mental health is doing because my physical health is in danger right now exactly and I sort of feel bad because because again like they weren't able to grapple with those uh questions until probably Mm -hmm. much later in their life where Mm -hmm. a lot of their habits and tendencies are sort of like locked in where now you know if if they were if they were like hey like maybe you should like talk about that it's like oh no I'm fine like because again like they've spent so much time like ignoring it and it's Mm -hmm. it's it's rough you know again as a black person we have to prioritize our survival more Mm -hmm. so than like you know our mental survival like we need to you know get to the next day so maybe we have a hope of like thinking about what's going on inside rather Mm -hmm. than you know 
faking something. Yeah, and we talk about resilience all the time. Like that's what being black means to the both of us. And I think it's very cool that as a community, we've always been resilient. We've always been able to rely on ourselves and our family members and our friends to always have some sort of hope, even though we've had to deal with so many things that just weren't right. But I, I just think it's so interesting because even when I explained to my parents like what an anxiety attack was, like they knew what it was. Like they're like, oh, like you, you feel that way when like something happens. But like for them, like again, they weren't able to actually understand that that's like a legitimate issue because they we're trying to go around the block and walk through. <laughs> like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, for sure. It's just... And again, it's like, you know, trying to find that balance, you know, and that's what I'm starting to realize. Um, I think you can do both. You can, you know, acknowledge, you know, um, that, yeah, like, compared to what my parents have been through, compared to what, like, my, you know, their parents and uh, my ancestors have been through, I can, you know, I'm very blessed and privileged for where I sit right now, you know, mm -hmm. um, to be able to go to be to graduate from college, you know, and just, you know, have a degree is like monumental, because again, like, 60 or so years ago, maybe not even then, like, you know, we weren't even um, allowed to attend some of these universities. So, you know, so you can believe that thing, but like, also believe like, life is hard, like everyone sort of goes through their own personal challenges, you know, and you're entitled to feel like sad and, you know, feel angry, you know, and then, you know, feel um, just, you know, anxious about things because like that is about a, a part of the human experience. So mm -hmm. I think we need, just need to be uh, gracious with ourselves and like not, mm -hmm. not like, oh, like I shouldn't, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Like, you know, I have so much going on in my life right now, but like, so like, don't discard those feelings, embrace them, but don't, just don't just throw them to the side because then they'll fester and they'll continue to build up where mm -hmm. it legitimately becomes a problem where it's impacting your physical health and all mm -hmm. those sorts of things so yeah and I think like being black in general can be a very anxiety inducing thing um and like that of course makes me think about the reason why I even started doing um the being black videos in July and it's because like we were all at home and will force to be at home because of the pandemic. And I was forced to consume all this televised social unrest. Um, and like July and like August were awful. Um, my anxiety was like at like an all time high and like I just didn't know how to cope with it. And like I eventually ended up like talking about and making a video on it, but like, can you speak to how you felt even now like it's not even like it's over but I think the frequency of like the top stories that we we saw were you know July August September um can you speak to how you felt how your mental health was during that time period has it gotten better has it gotten worse how have you coped things like that um it was sort of weird like my mental health I had a sort of a delayed reaction mm -hmm. because I remember I distinctly remember like the the day or the day after like George Floyd's murder happened mm -hmm. um I was doing an assignment for one of my classes and mm -hmm. and like I saw I like I remember watching the video like watching all eight minutes of it mm -hmm. and like like not feeling anything 
I don't know, maybe because like I've been like sort of, you know, getting numb to all the, the black death that's just been on the media, but also because like I had a paper to finish. So like, you know, I can't worry about that for too, too long. I got to get back to what's going on now. Yeah. And, and so like after that was done, you know, we were graduating everything. It's, it's sort of like, again, like I had nothing but time to sort of reflect on that stuff and think about it. And then it just seemed like everywhere I looked on social media, I could see the George Floyd video. And it just, again, mm -hmm. kept coming back to me and like, oh my gosh, like this is, you know, the reality in America for black people. And it's just, I got into like a really dark place, honestly, because like, it was just, like, and then like, you know, things like you see the protests and then you see like, you know, the violence from the mm -hmm. police officers to like, you know, not listening to anything that the black mm -hmm. movements are saying and it's like again like you know how long you know are black people going to have to suffer under you know the state so it's like it, it was rough you know but like over the over time like i think i'm starting to get better with it. it's i think it's an everyday struggle sort of thing where some mm -hmm. days are better than others mm -hmm. especially like a lot of the action that has sort of come out about that like you know mm -hmm. even like you know our school has done try to do some things that they have yeah. been for. So that's been encouraging mm -hmm. um, and even like I'm working at a, in a high school setting right now so like mm -hmm. we're trying to incorporate um, um, you know a lot of diversity equity and inclusion you know discussions you know but again like you know this programming is happening people are engaging in it but it's like to what extent are they engaging in it and then there's pushback from people who are engaging with it like mm -hmm. you know like white privilege isn't a thing and so like you know I have to sort of you know and it's and it's honestly a little bit triggering because again like I don't know how you could say that you know despite everything going on in our state today so I'll, it definitely has gone my mental health has gotten better for sure but um again it's a it's a it's a daily struggle to sort of like you know find that good place you know and again some days are better than other, others yeah I agree too like again back when we had to go home. We had to go home in March, which seems so far away. Um, and having to watch all these things. And then even now, I feel like there was like a period of time that we, or at least I like tried to engage in conversation with um, like my black friends, my non-black friends, whoever it was, if they had questions about certain things. Um, but it, although like I love talking about these things like of course like I have these videos I love talking about topics like this because I think it's important and storytelling in general personal anecdotes I think are the key to eliciting empathy I genuinely believe that but I have been trying to figure out with certain things are very triggering to me um and even I distinctly remember trying to explain to someone why people were upset that people were dying um and like for them to continuously bring up that all police officers weren't bad um was just so incredibly irritating because it's like okay you're going to ask me a question to explain to you why people are upset about this why people are rightfully upset about it why I'm upset about it and then to be met with oh well this is why you shouldn't feel that way when you and I both watched the videos we both did now granted I actively I did not watch the death of George Floyd I couldn't do it I couldn't bring myself to it I've been actively trying not to watch the videos because 
I know what they do to me. Like they put me in a very, very bad place. I do actively, of course, read the police reports, although of course they still upset me. Um, but like visually seeing it, like I, I just can't do it anymore. Um, and I think that's an important thing in regards to my mental health that I've realized like I literally just can't watch them. Um, I've even asked like people close to me to like not send like them to me either, whether that be on DMs, like Instagram or Twitter um, or text it to me. Like you can say like, hey, like, did you see this? You know, and that's fine. <laughs> but like, please don't, if you're watching this, don't send it to me. <laughs> do not hit A my public phone. public service announcement. <laughs> do, do not, not hit my phone with it. I, like, <laughs> I can't deal with it. Um, and I, I think I've been very vocal on Instagram. Like you've seen that too, but like, to, to see it, to see people that look like me, like Breonna Taylor, like I'm still grieving Breonna Taylor and I'm going to be grieving her for a long time. To see someone that looks like me. Exactly. And that's another thing too. I feel like in the black community, like we always talk about our home, like that's like literally a safe space. And like for everyone, it's especially true, but like when you get home, you are safe from at least everyone externally. Exactly. And for a black woman to be killed inside her home was like devastating to me to the point that like I, I can't like, I'm, I'm getting upset. Like I can't talk about it for like yeah. a period of time. And like, can you like, what, what was, what were your parents' responses or like your friends, like black friends specifically like responses to people like Breonna Taylor or George Floyd mm -hmm. or um, I feel terrible about the man that was killed in Philadelphia too. Um, um, oh my gosh. That really like. Yeah. And, and, and it's crazy that we can't think of his name because exactly. there have been so many. Because, mm -hmm. and again, I think a lot of, you know, my black friends just talking, like we were like, we're not surprised. Like, you know, oh, like, and I hate to say it like this, but like, oh, another black person has been killed at the hands of the police it because it, it feels like it's been so commonplace like ever mm -hmm. since you know Trayvon Martin was killed back in like, tw like 2012 was that mm -hmm. and so like I feel like you know we've just been accustomed to just seeing and hearing about black death on the media and so being so you know inundated with it it's like you know there's no nuance anymore it's like mm -hmm. okay like there was you know it was a uh, uh, police pulled them over or, you know, there was a bad, it was an interaction with the police gone wrong. So it's like, you know, like, 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 and there's, I feel like, you know, that creates less, you know, action. I don't want to say action, but, you know, less reaction to it because we've been sort of like, you know, black people just die and, you know, that's it. And it's all over the media, people reposting things. And like, that bothered me too. Cause I'm like, and I, and I get like, especially for you know the 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 white people and the people who are not black who are reposting it, I get like some of them like genuinely trying to raise awareness for it, but I don't think they have a deep as a connection to it that we do. When again, that could be that could be me, that could be you, that could be our our family members, like our mm -hmm. friends, someone we know can end up as a hashtag, and it's like mm -hmm. it's a little it's a little like. That's, that's why like, I had to get off social media for a second because I'm like, I don't, mm -hmm. don't want to tell you not to post anything because mm -hmm. again, it's like, oh, like I'm trying to just like tell people about what's going on. But it's like, if only you knew what, was it, would do, what it was doing to your black friends and, and like mm -hmm. people who follow you. So it's like, 
Um, my um, the first time my parents talked to me about police killing, I think it was Trayvon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my 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 mom was a correctional officer uh, for the uh, for the city campus. So like she worked in a jail. She saw like you know the worst of the worst. Like and I just remember growing up hearing stories about it. And just like hearing stories that she would take home from the jail, like how, um, you know, uh, officer like white officers who interact with them, and the the people inside, and even black officers too. And it's like you know, it's sort of put in my mind the idea that like, you know, like these things happen. Like then she's not telling me like you know, cops kill black people when I'm like seven, but like I see the sort of treatment of you know. Black people in the you know in the system so it's like it was always in the back of my mind but like every time it happens you got to sort of like sit down like and like you're black you know hands on the steering wheel when they come up to your car you know yes yes ma'am yes sir you know know where you're all of your stuff i I literally keep my wallet you know in the glove compartment like not a glove compartment like all right like where they can see it like Mm -hmm. and you have to tell them like hey I'm reaching for my wallet, my license in my wallet. Like my parents literally taught me how to do that when I learned how to drive. And that was another distinction that I realized and like really hurt me when I was growing up is like, I grew up in this white place and like, like I still have like friends from high school and there's nothing against them. I just think that sometimes for, I believe that they experienced the same things that I did. And I remember, um, distinctly going to a friend's house and I was pulled over. I've only been pulled over twice. I was pulled over, did exactly what I was supposed to do. Um, Thankfully nothing happened of course. And like, I was able to drive to my friend's house. And when I came in, they're like, oh, like, ha like we saw like one of the people, like I guess drove past and saw that I got pulled over. And like, they were like, oh, like, haha, like you got pulled over, like sucks type thing. But for them, like, there was no, like, wow. oh, that could have turned very poorly. Like that could have been really bad. It was like, oh, like sucks that you had to like talk to a police officer, like ha ha he he. When I literally was like shaking for like the first 30 minutes that I was there. And I called my pa- <laughs> I called my parents when I got there and told them what happened. And even though, Um, I was pulled over because my back left tire hit the middle line. Um, So my turn was too short. That's basically what um, the cop was telling me, even though there was no one at the four-way intersection, even though I had stopped for five seconds, because I do count, I'm a good driver. Um, And I was just baffled that like, they wouldn't understand and I think being misunderstood growing up was like one of the main contributors to my anxiety. Like there was no one that I could talk to about that, that like they would actually understand. Like you, they might like nod and be like, oh man, like that sucks. But like, that's not what you want to hear. Right. You like that experience was the exact same thing when all these people, all these non-black people were asking me what they can be doing to help, what they can read um how I how I'm feeling like so many people were like asking me randomly like hey are you doing okay today like what's up like I'm like we haven't talked for like out of nowhere (laughs) we haven't spoken for so long and again I get that your head might be in a positive place and I appreciate that 
but there's got to be a line like there has to be a line because whether they realize or not they were direct reasons as to why I was being triggered and why the past few months have been so terrible is it bad that I couldn't fester up the courage to like say that I don't even think so because I was trying to deal with what was going on I was trying to deal with school because school didn't stop in March <laughs> it didn't stop at all like not like mm-hmm. let me stop because engineering in general I'm not even oh my gosh and that's the thing too like why are we supposed to keep things going like nothing's yeah. going on in our lives and I think mm-hmm. that contributes to the mental health problem too because like we're just expected to just you know pick up where you left off like oh another black person died oh you're sad oh, oh well like, you still have a project due yeah. so it's like you know, do at midnight. Oh, do you want me to extend it to tomorrow at midnight? <laughs> like that, like the extra 24 hours like, helps. Thank you. Thanks. Like, <laughs> you like know, nothing. Just like having, you know, an anxiety attack because, you know, black people just die, you know, or are killed for no reason. So, you know, but like I'll have that paper for you. Don't worry. I got you. Yeah, don't yeah. worry. I should have thought ahead and granted. I I know and, and like if any of our fellow chemies watch, but like even like our engineering program like did not help our mental health whatsoever. And I just remember like if I was honest and said like, hey, like this thing that's happening in the news is really affecting me, like some of our professors would really be like, should have planned for it. Like, oh, should have thought that it all happened. Um Next time, I'll try and plan ahead of the next police brutality. Uh, yeah, like, like I'll set it for my calendar, and you yeah, know, I'll fault, share it with you. Like we would get like docked, like our grade would suffer if like we approached mm-hmm. them about anything related to our mental health. And I think that's that's. I, I think over the past few months, I've definitely been thinking about my mental health more and being like trying to be more cognizant of triggers. Um, and now that like course we graduated, uh, shout out to God, um, we don't have to necessarily worry about that um, adding to our mental health journey. But of course now we have what we had before is being black and navigating those um, triggers. So is there anything that we haven't covered in this conversation that you want to add that you want the viewers to know. It's like, you know, mental health is a journey. Like, you're never going to be at a point where you think, like, everything's okay and all the sort of, you know, issues that you struggle with will just magically disappear, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you'll always, you know, there'll be ups and downs. Like, some days will be better than others, but I, I always try to, like, remember that, you know, it's sort of like, you know, sort of sad to say but again like that resiliency like you you have gotten through tough things before mm-hmm. so you can get through tough things again so it's never the end of the world when something that you think is the end of the world like there's always you know a lot of them the tunnel there is always a next day where you can you know do better and be better and I mm-hmm. think that's that's really what's been getting me through everything just realizing that again like um it's just it's just never never like I may do something and my anxiety 
is never better than me. It, it, it gets better. It really does. You know, if I could tell myself that sitting in the library at 4 a.m., you know, the night before an exam, you know. That we were going to fail anyway. <laughs> and and then you look, we're here, you know, degreed up. So it's like, <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. Well, I really, really appreciate you spending time with me to talk about this really important topic. Again, mental health is a very, very large topic, and there's so many different intersections about mental health and being Black, so I'm sure there'll be other episodes on it as well. But thank you again, Erin, and tune in next time for another Being Black video. Bye.